You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV presents Chatting with Kathy. Sit-down interviews with Hollywood's leading actors, artists, and entrepreneurs. And now, your host of Chatting with Kathy, Kathy Kelly. Today's guest has worked with artists from CeeLo Green to Backstreet Boys to Ace of Bass. He's now the executive music producer of Glee and starting a new venture, music competition series called Star Truck. Welcome to Chatting with Kathy. I'm your host, Kathy Kelly, and joining me today... Adam Anders, as well we done. just learned, the pr- proper <laughs> way to pronounce. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anders is the Swedish, the way Swedish to say pronunciation. It. Yeah. Cool. But I'm not picky. Yeah. So you still speak both languages, right? English and Swedish. I do. I do. I'm fluent in both, um, and then partially can speak a few other languages that we won't mention because <laughs> uh, then people will try to speak to me in those languages. Yeah. Now Swedish is my first language. I'm, you know, I was born and half raised there. Yeah. And, but I think English is now dominant in my life, but cool. Mm -hmm. So you have accomplished so much in your career, but we want to take it back to the very beginning. As you said, you grew up in Stockholm, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I grew up. Well, it's weird. I grew up supposedly in Stockholm, but my parents were musicians and they traveled the world all the time. So I kind of grew up everywhere. I'm like the musical version of a military brat. Um, they were opera, my dad's an opera singer, my mom's a concert pianist. Then they went into gospel music and they started traveling and singing in churches all over the world. Yeah. So that's how I grew up. So we would be kind of stationed in Sweden in the summer in the warm months because Sweden sucks in the winter. And then when it got cold, we'd head west and kind of go up and down the the west coast of the U.S. So it was a very multicultural upbringing. Yeah. Um, but I saw a lot of things and heard a lot of music. How do you think that that shaped your childhood? having that it really screwed yeah. me up really <laughs> yeah no you know it was weird it, i i look back you know i'm the youngest of three mm-hmm. and i think um it it shaped me definitely um some for the better some for the worse to be completely honest mm-hmm. i think it's tough to not get to have those friends that you grow yeah. up with and and do like group events you know sports and things i'm a sports fanatic and so there's some things you miss out on but overall i think to get to kind of go around the the world several times by the time you're 10 Mm -hmm. is pretty incredible and I think it had a a a very positive influence on me as far as knowing what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. who I wanted to be um growing up a little quicker maybe I was forced to um I think uh overall I look back at it with a lot of fondness I never felt like I was missing something then I think when I'm older now I go oh it would have been cool if I got to do that yeah there are so few good. kids with that kind of upbringing. So did you go to a traditional school or were you guys homeschooled then? I went to school till fourth grade and then it was homeschooling. Okay. Um, and it would have been before that if my parents knew homeschooling existed because <laughs> it was a pain in the butt. We always had to get pulled out of school and then we yeah. had to catch up and study on the road and nobody studies on the road. It's mm-hmm. just, that's a lie. Um, so it was really good when homeschooling came around and it was easier for us to do what we did. And honestly, it was, it was the way they survived. I mean, we didn't have a choice and my parents decided it's better you're with us than we're apart. This is how we make our living. So you're coming with us. Yeah. So it was the, you know, kind of the Partridge family from Sweden. How, um, was that? I mean, both of your parents were musicians. So were you kind of thrust into it at an early age or was it something that you chose to pick up? You know, look, they performed, I think the year I was in the womb, they performed 300 shows. 
So well, that definitely wow. does something to a fetus. I yeah. Think. <laughs> so um, uh, I think I was destined to do music. Uh-huh. Um, and then growing up, seeing them doing it. And then when I got old enough, I got up on stage. I mean, I recorded my first album when I was four. Wow. And I sang a solo when I was four, which is weird. Now I look at it because I have a four-year-old at home and he can't sing at all. <laughs> He's tone deaf. So um, I guess it was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but it was, again, we were there. Hey, why don't you sing something? And people thought it was cute. And then, you know, it just became a thing. And Wait. my older sister, she sang a lot. But... So you recorded your first album at four. Oh, Do yeah. you still have it? I'm not telling you. <laughs> you know what? I was at a party once and somebody had gotten a hold of it and it started playing. And I, yeah. oh, it was awful. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, we. I will not tell you what that album's called, but there is one in existence. If somebody finds that, send it to me so I can burn it. There, there is a reward. <laughs> not burn copies of it. Burn no. it. No. Like. <laughs> <laughs> See, I just, I just aged myself terribly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you said your sister is also a singer as well. Yeah, I mean the whole family. My my older oldest sibling is my sister, and then mm-hmm. I have an older brother who works with me on Glee. Okay. And uh, we just grew up doing it. And my earliest memory, I think, as a, as a kid, is at Capitol Studios of all things in Hollywood mm-hmm. my dad was mixing an album and I was sleeping under the console it was warm so I yeah. just remember it was warm and I was laying in cables and sleeping there and that so you know it's just part of life mm-hmm. do you remember the first instrument that you picked up it was piano we were all forced to play piano okay that there was the forcing part that you were talking about <laughs> uh having a concert pianist mom all the kids have to attempt to play piano and we all hate it mm-hmm. uh, and we all regret quitting so it, there was a pattern uh, my sister was really good. My brother was almost as good, and I quit the quickest. I think by the time the third kid came along, she gave up. She's like, yeah. screw it. But we all played piano first, and then I got into kind of clarinet and woodwinds, anything I could like, you know, find really laying around the house. And then it became bass. Bass was my instrument, and okay. I loved that, and I got really attached to that. Cool. I played bass guitar in high school for a little bit. That's it was cool. not good though. <laughs> you know what? You have a career ahead of you because oh, yeah. everybody wants a girl playing bass. Yeah. I'm telling you. Not so much. They a probably tall want Swedish a talented guy. one playing bass. <laughs> that's that's eh, maybe maybe yeah. Uh, but yeah, upright bass, and then uh, I went on to obviously want to play rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Got an electric bass. My brother got a guitar, and off we went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know that you were in Nashville for a while pursuing a music career, but before mm-hmm. that, you were in Tampa uh, taking music classes at uh, what was it, University of Southern Florida? Yeah. Um, I was I got really good on mm-hmm. bass by the time I was thirteen. And so I auditioned for the the professor of jazz bass performance at USF, and he accepted me as a 13-year-old. Wow. So I did high school and college at the same time. I studied music at the college level, and then I did all my general ed high school stuff. And it was weird. I was a 13-year-old, you know, walked around the university with what I thought were just ancient people, and they were 18. <laughs> um, and now we're, you know, it's just weird. But uh, so, yeah, it was like the, um, I don't know what you call it, the... The child prodigy. Yeah, child prodigy bass player did that and then by the time i was 16 i finished all my music studies there and i uh, decided to uh, take off yeah mm-hmm. were there people were you known on campus like did people know that there was a 13 year old who was also taking classes there yeah i think they knew uh, he was very protective i did a lot of one-on-one stuff with him mm-hmm. um he was great uh you know, for the most part, it was a good experience. It was kind of weird. Honestly, the weirdest part was getting picked up and dropped off by my mom <laughs> at college, which was really strange. <laughs> um, not something anybody should have to go through, but uh, uh, it was good, you know, and I loved music and I didn't care about it. I didn't have a social life. I was a total geek. You know what they say? Marry the geek, date the jock, you know? They're successful. Case in point. <laughs> anyway, um, so I was a total nerd, just 
engrossed in music of all kinds. And uh, I think it was good because I had the classical background. My parents oddly pushed me into rock and roll. They loved mm-hmm. rock and roll. So they introduced me to that. And then I studied jazz. So I got a really broad kind of education yeah. in music, which obviously flash forward to Glee was really, really useful. Yeah. What did you gravitate towards musically? Rock. Rock? Yeah, rock. And the more indie, the better. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then like Tom Petty might be my favorite artist of all time, yeah. which he's not that indie. He got pretty commercially successful, but um, I love that. Yeah, I just love jamming with friends. Um, but uh, pop is obviously in your blood if you're Swedish, so I had to recognize what I was really good at. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of gravitated towards pop music as a career. Yeah. So when you moved to Nashville, was that the first time being away from your family? No. Uh, well, when I was 11 years old, my brother and sister and I took off on a world tour by ourselves without our parents. Uh, I know. Did they so approve of I this? I would never. Yeah, it was their idea. What? They're like, this is a great idea. And we're like, sure. I know. It was crazy. <laughs> I look back now. I mean, that would never happen today. But Where did you go? We went all through Europe. Mainland Europe. Um, yeah. That's crazy. I know. But my sister was, um, I think, 18. So yeah. she was the chaperone. My brother was maybe 14, and I was People 11. still aren't that mature at 18. No, but again, the way we grew up, yeah, we were so used to normal. being on the road, it was normal for us. Wow. And then we had another guitar player who was older, who drove. Yeah. That was it, and we took off, and so you grow up quick yeah. when you do that, obviously. So I'd been away from the parents, and um, it felt natural. You know, sorry, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> what was the the size of the venues that you guys were playing on that tour? Oh, they were like, you know few hundred people yeah you know it, it was not a big thing but we had a you know record deal in europe and we went to tour the record and it was on a small scale but it was fun yeah and it was fun i didn't know what we were doing it just to me it was life mm-hmm. you know? it, it didn't seem odd at all i look back now and i'm like we're totally insane mm-hmm. um but it was great it's, you grow up you learn a lot um you learn that you love doing this and you want to keep doing it you yeah because sometimes you know the whole stage mom and stage, it wasn't that at all mm-hmm. um it was it was life, it was survival, but it wasn't forced. Um, Do you think that if you had said to your parents, this isn't for me, I want to quit, they would have supported that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I had a whole tennis stage of my life. Uh, really? when I, I was burning out on music because of the whole college and all that stuff, so I started playing a lot of tennis, and I got really good, and I was really tall, um, so I had a big serve. And there was a moment I was going to go pro in tennis instead wow. of I was training in Tampa at the same time as yeah. I was doing the music, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And went hardcore into tennis. And uh, I was really good. And I could have done that. Um, but I burned out on that really fast and went back to music. Mm-hmm. You know, music was always there. And that was really good for me, too, because I realized how much I loved doing what I was already kind of destined to do. Yeah. I was actually going to ask, if you weren't in music, what would you want to do as a career path? Oh, so golf tennis. Pro. Golf, golf pro. pro. Okay. Yeah, I don't like tennis enough. I you love golf. golf. Too? Oh, yeah. I love golf. <laughs> yeah, too bad I don't have time to play. But... Um, I love golf. I love all sports. Yeah. I'd probably do something in sports, but, mm-hmm. um, but I love business too. And I think, which is a good thing now that with the changing world we're in, in music, you have to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and be a good businessman. And I really, I always, since I was a little kid, I enjoyed trying to make money. To so. have, <laughs> let's just be honest. <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, to have your own record label, you have to be mm-hmm. an entrepreneur and mm-hmm. it really is along with having that creative side, you have to, uh, have a business sense as well because you're mm-hmm. marketing talent. Mm-hmm. I think um, you have to have an instinct for if something's good or not. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have an instinct of what to do with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and in this world, you just got to almost sniff it out. 
you know, there's no rules. It's yeah. a wild west, the entertainment industry now. So, um, you know, to me, everything's an opportunity. Yeah. People just see problems, you know, in the business. And to me, I see opportunities. And that's just how I've always been. Um, I think I tweeted a Winston Churchill quote today that said just that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I embrace the changing environment that mm-hmm. we're in. You have to be smart about the people you sign and the yeah. deals that you make. You can't go crazy, but if you do it right, you can have a lot of success. Yeah. I mean, there are so many people who are so talented out here, but they might not sell and mm-hmm. vice versa. Mm-hmm. So yeah. no, this, some of the most talented people don't make it. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I wish I knew, but you need yeah. to have more than just talent. You Does really do. the it factor. Yeah. You need to appeal to a lot of people. And then you got to have that business side too. Even the artists need to be entrepreneurs. They can't just, you know, rely on their talent. Oh, well, it'll come to me. No, it won't. Mm-hmm. You got to go get it. Yeah. Um, so where was it? You were in Nashville and then you ended up touring mm-hmm. um, as a bass player. You met your wife while on tour. You've done your homework. <laughs> uh, so many people this say... This ain't no little web interview. This is serious. <laughs> Slightly stalkerish. Uh, no, it's investigative journalism. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so... I'm going to see you on CNN. <laughs> um, but you met your wife, and a lot of people say to never work with your spouse, but this is kind of before you were dating. You helped uh, work on her... I have a different her... theory. Work with oh, your spouse, and okay. then figure out if you like her. Um <laughs> No, we have always worked together. We yeah. were partners from the beginning. Because um, she was an artist as well, right? She was She was a big artist when we met, and yeah. I was just the bass player. And she was a big Christian artist. And uh, we were on a big tour. I was playing bass for six different artists that were on this tour. And um, it was it was pretty funny. One of the other artists played Matchmaker. We were the, by far the youngest on the tour. And she's like, here comes your future wife, you know, this artist would say. And I was like, go away. And then sure enough, you know, we've been together ever wow. since. Yeah. So it was, it was great, but we started off working. She's like, you know, her pickup line was, I just signed a Tommy Mottola. Why don't you write with me? <laughs> and she'd heard some songs I'd written. So we wrote songs together. That's how yeah. we started our relationship. And, you know, it doesn't work for everybody. Uh, for us, we fight constantly when we work together. Mm-hmm. And then we like each other more because of it after. It's really weird. And then we, when we, you know, she, we got two kids and I'm mm-hmm. doing Glee, whatever, and we're not together as much. It actually, we grow apart if we don't work together. Yeah. It's really weird. When you guys do have those differences musically, do you guys have to leave it at the end of the day and just be... Oh, no. Like, we just keep fighting. Too. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like iron sharpening iron, I think, yeah. uh, for us. when We know if we're really fighting when we're writing a song, it's going to be really good. Yeah. We just know. We've learned. If it's really easy and quick, it usually sucks. Mm-hmm. And we just have to really be passionate about it. And the beauty of being as close as we are and working together, you're honest. You know, when you just go write with someone you don't really know... You kind of pussyfoot around and you're like, oh, I don't really tell you what I really think. That's a terrible idea. No, she just goes, that's a horrible idea. You suck. I mean, she's brutal. (laughs) She's brutal. And I'm like, all right. And then you try harder. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be half of where I am without her just kicking me in the butt every day. It seems like both of your careers have evolved Mm -hmm. in the same manner where um, now she's also writing as well for Mm -hmm. a lot of TV series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she... We create TV shows together. We write music for different movies and, and TV shows. She's been with me on Glee from the beginning. Every vocal arrangement you hear, she's had her hands on. Mm-hmm. Everything, you know, any female vocal you hear, she's been there arranging it with me. Yeah. Uh, she's just such, such a huge part of everything, and she takes a back seat, you know. But um, it's really a team effort, and that's how we like it. It works for us. I don't recommend it. I really don't. Yeah. It's a terrible idea. But, uh, but when it works, it, it works. works for you guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know what? We understand each other. We understand the business, the hours. 
you know, I don't think any other wife would be as understanding when I leave at six in the morning and come home at four. Mm-hmm. You know, she gets it. Yeah. So that's good. Um, backtracking a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know when you were, you had just finished all your schooling in Nashville, you had a very interesting side job. Uh, when you were trying to make it as a bass player. So do you want to tell had some us bad what that ones, was? Man. I was temping, right? You do what you got to do. Yeah. I had a great work ethic, thanks to my parents. And I started in the, in the uh, what was it, the potato chip factory. God, that was horrible. It's the nastiest job, man. Really? It was really bad. I was picking out all the brown ones on the conveyor belt. But the problem was everybody sitting around me doing it were eating all the brown ones. <laughs> and then crumbs would fall back on it. It was That's just nasty. If you see how potato chips are made, it. you will never eat a potato chip again. Oh, so no. I, I stick to like Cheetos or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I did that. And then I loaded Coke uh, or Pepsi trucks. Yeah, it was a Pepsi plant. Um, that was horrible. Yeah. But And then during the day, I would just play bass for anybody for free. Mm-hmm. That's how I did it. I said, yeah. okay, I'll play for you once for free. If you like it next time, you got to pay me. And then it really just took six months, and I was out of the, mm-hmm. the temp thing. Do you think that it's those kind of jobs have helped you appreciate your success now more? Definitely. I, I think I have a very, you know, and even just the way I grew up, you know, it was a very humble mm-hmm. existence. Um, my parents went into missions. They gave all their money away to a fault. Um, and then, you know, kind of paying your dues and working your way up. I think it's, it's crucial. And I think we live in a society that's like everything now. And there's a lot of entitlement and yeah. it's all about me. You know, why don't I have this? Why don't, you know, and I hire interns and like, I want your job now. I'm like, that's no. my generation. <laughs> no, but it's, it's scary to me. And I think we need to learn. Like you, you, there's so much you have to learn, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, it happens faster for some than others, but you still got to pay your dues. You got to mm-hmm. work your way up and have the right attitude. Good things come to you. I've always said, I look for the guys that I hire who are really, really faithful in the little things, you know, they like work really diligently at a crap job. Like, Go fill up the waters and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And they just do it. And I know this guy's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, but when they have like, oh, fine, I'll go do it. I'm like, see ya. Next. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk about, you worked with the Backstreet Boys mm-hmm. on one of their first singles, More Than That, mm-hmm. in 2000. Um, what was that like? Because that was the first big artist that you worked mm-hmm. with, right? Yeah. I just signed to Sony Music because uh, I produced my wife for Tommy Mottola. Yeah. Um, and I went to Sweden. I went, you know, Swedish pop is like blown up. Like what's going on? I speak Swedish. I'll go over there. So they sent me over there. And the first song I co-wrote like off the boat or off the plane, <laughs> um, was more than that. And it was funny. It was kind of a, Hey, let's just try to write a Backstreet Boys song just for fun. I'd never written a boy band song in my life. Yeah. And, uh, it worked out to a, in a big major way. scale. Um, but then you get pigeonholed. Like now I was the boy band guy. Cause that was my, you, you know, it's whatever yeah. your biggest, latest thing is, is what you are. Mm-hmm. And so now everybody wants, Hey, write me another one of those. Right. And I, you know, you do cause we're all like, you know, um, I don't know, just want to <laughs> repeat the success you've had and you kind of, I'm looking for words that aren't dirty to anyway. <laughs> can you say whore yourself out? I can say, yeah. That, right? okay. Yeah. You whore yourself out mm-hmm. and you just do it over and over again. And then boy bands all of a sudden weren't cool. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, crap. They went through their phase. Yeah. And then next thing I know, I couldn't get arrested. Like, I had so much success. And then just, so it was tough. Yeah. What was it like the first time you heard that song on the radio? Do you remember? It was really cool. It was really cool. Um, it was actually on my way to my bachelor party. Really? Yeah. yeah. I've never said that before. That's <laughs> a good story. Uh, I had my bachelor party, and we all piled in the car. My bachelor party is to go to, like... Um, like the go-kart place. 
Okay. You know, we were driving yeah. go-karts and like really going crazy. I'm a party animal. Uh, but yeah, we were going to, I don't know what it's called, but we were going to some go-kart place and driving there with all the guys, the song came on and it was really cool. Um, yeah. Just because it was such a big hit and it was such a huge time in music, you know. And I turn on the TV and MTV, back when they played music on MTV, everybody's like at spring break. They're like singing it, singing along. And it was just really cool. It was a great time. It's a, when you've worked really hard to get there too, it's a really great feeling. Yeah. And you said that shortly after that is when the lull kind of came. So how did you get over that? How did you overcome, you know the the slower times and music producing yeah i joke that i killed the backstreet boys actually because it was the last big hit they had for that era sorry guys they um, came back they did they came back. they've all come back that's what's weird mm-hmm. that's how old i am they've actually <laughs> come back again um you know it, it yeah boy band just went out and and i forgot the question i know it was a good one just uh what did you do to overcome right. that that lull i moved like anybody does when you're not doing well, you just get out of Dodge. Yeah. <laughs> My wife had always wanted to live in New York, and we were newlyweds, and we're like, it's a good time, no kids, nothing, got no work here, let's move to New York. So we did, yeah. we packed up, we went to New York, and just reinvented. And that's what you have to do, you have to just take the time. It took two years of grinding and just showing people what other stuff I can do. And honestly, what I had been doing my whole life until boy bands came along. Yeah. You know, so I just had to pay my dues again. Mm-hmm. So how did you transition from doing um, music that's, you know, released on albums to music that's featured on TV programs and in movies? Well, part of that reinvention was recognizing the industry was changing and there were less albums for people to get on. Yeah. And more people trying to do it. You know, everybody had GarageBand and everybody has a laptop and now I'm a producer, mm-hmm. you know. Um so the competition was worse and there were less projects to be involved in. So I went, well, let's broaden our horizons a little bit. You know, what else wants music? Well, film and TV. It's always going to need music, right? So I was like, well, let's, you know, start doing that a little bit. And, um, you know, we actually, the last year we lived in New York, we spent 200 days in a hotel out here working on movies. And we're like, we got to move out here. Yeah. So I decided to uh, pack up, move here. And two weeks after we landed, uh, I got the call for Glee. Cool. Mm-hmm. And you had previously worked on um, other like Disney projects mm-hmm. like Hannah Montana. And well, we High still live in New York. Yeah, we did High School Musical. We did Hannah Montana. We did Jonas Brothers. We did Camp Rock 1 and 2. We did a bunch of theme songs. And the connection to Fox was a theme song. So Nikki and I wrote five uh, big network theme songs for them in a row. All different styles. All horrible time crunches. And then at the same time, they knew we were doing musicals for, for Disney. They're like, hey, we got this show coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know you have an interesting story as well um, on how you ended up landing the job with mm-hmm. Glee. Yeah. Um, you said Ryan Murphy says that it was kind of a, an overnight thing, but it took oh, a little bit longer. <laughs> no, he didn't like me at all, and I don't blame him. <laughs> I don't blame him. Look, here he has, he's trying to do the anti-high school musical. Yes. And here comes this high school musical guy mm-hmm. who, first of all, he didn't want to meet with. Right. Because, you know, if you know anything about Ryan Murphy, nobody tells him what to do creatively for the shows, not even the network. And they were like, you got to meet with this guy. You got to meet. And he's like, fine. You know, so he took it out on me. I go in to meet him and it was literally the worst interview I've ever had. Really? It was it was brutal. Do um, you joke about that with he, him now? He still doesn't admit that it ever happened. <laughs> um, you know, and the reality was it was so great that it went down the way it did because you know, he didn't really want to work with me. He had his own ideas, yeah. and rightfully so. It's his show. 
And uh, just when I was walking out, I said, you know, whoever you hire, make sure it doesn't sound like karaoke. That was like the one thing I left him with. And, you know, I was like, obviously, it's not going to be me. But, you know, whoever you hire, it's a great script. Mm -hmm. Make sure it's not karaoke because nobody's going to sit through an hour of karaoke. Yeah. And I go back to New York. I still live in New York. And three months go by. We move back. And my friend at Fox calls and he's like, he thinks everything sounds like karaoke. And uh, he, you know, he's like, he's going to call you. He wants to talk to you. So he called me. He's like, do this song for the pilot. It was a Friday afternoon. He said, you know, Amy Winehouse Rehab. It's just not sounding the way I want it to sound. If you can deliver it by Monday, the show's yours. So I went in and I think we auditioned over 100 singers over the weekend to try and create that sound, the glee sound. What is that sound? Yeah. So I could present it for him. And uh, I did. And he absolutely loved it, flipped out. And then it was became the greatest creative you know collaboration of all time for for me yeah did you think at that point um you know during the pilot Mm -hmm. that it was going to have that much success i knew the script was good i knew ryan's history i knew how brilliant he was um when i was doing don't stop believing is when i knew we were onto something musically special Mm because i had goosebumps as i was doing it um and then when i saw the pilot finally and actually the first time i saw it was with steve perry it was really nerve-wracking because he had to approve our version of Don't Stop Believing. So they thought, well, what better way to present it to him than show him the pilot? Yeah. And I'm seeing it for the first time with him. So I'm, like, sweating. I have no idea what to expect. And it was amazing. I'm like, this is so good. That's such a cool experience, Yeah, and too. Steve Perry's, like, leaning in, like, singing along. And he's like, this is amazing. And he just, like, embraced it completely. Mm-hmm. And um, so then I knew we were in pretty good shape. And then when the posters came out. Yeah. I was like, that's a home run. Yeah. You know, that's the thing we talk about. You know when something's right. Mm-hmm. And everything just came together. The marketing was right. The music was right. The script was brilliant. The cast was amazing. Mm-hmm. It just on every level, it was great. Yeah. And it's going into its final season coming up. Uh, you guys have produced now hundreds of songs. What is it? Like 500 songs? Close to that? Up? Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. We're about 700. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and the process for that is also really interesting. You send uh, the idea to Sweden. Is that what it is? My partner um, is in Sweden. Yeah. Um, early on, it was supposed to be two songs an episode. That's mm-hmm. what we were contracted to do. And we're like, no problem. You know, he's here all the time working with me. Um, and I'm like, we can do this. In the first couple episodes, we're just like taking our time. <laughs> we're playing it. I'm playing a guitar solo. He's playing something. And then they go, we want to do like eight songs an episode and maybe wow. 12. And we got to do mashups. And we're like, oh, crap. I'm like, go back to Sweden. So my idea was the nine hours time change gives us nine more hours to work every mm-hmm. day. So I go to bed and they're working. I wake up. He goes to bed. So that's what we kind of concocted. And it worked. Yeah. And we built a team, you know, uh, around that to help us. But he's brilliant. Um, everything I've ever done in the last seven years we've done together. And he also doesn't get the recognition he deserves, yeah. you know, Per Astrum, brilliant guy. Um, it and seems like a really symbiotic relationship. It is. It and works. the fact that he's okay working kind of in the shadows like he does in Sweden, I get a lot of credit because I'm here, I'm the face of the operation, but yeah. you were a team. We've done everything, Rock of Ages together, CeeLo Green together, mm-hmm. all the Glee stuff from the beginning together, from the first song. I knew it. I called him right away. I'm like, this, you're the guy. you got to help me with this. Yeah. I can't do it without you. 
and um, it's been an amazing partnership. How closely do you work with the talent? Because I know that going into it, uh, several of the actors that they had hired hadn't necessarily sang before. They knew that they had, they could carry a tune, but... Are you recording this? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there were varying degrees of skill vocally, yeah. let's put it that way. Um, you know, Corey, uh, who I loved to death mm-hmm. and was a heartbreaking chapter of this whole thing, um, had never sung in his life. Yeah. He was a drummer. And he came to the studio and, and started singing. And he turned blue and he almost passed out. He didn't know how to breathe and sing at the same time. I mean, it was that raw. Yeah. But he had a really cool voice. So I'm like, all right, we'll figure it out. So we figured it out together. You know, yeah. and that's how we became so close, too, because um, we went through a lot together. Leah was an incredible, you know, Broadway singer, but she'd never sung pop. So mm-hmm. she was really resistant to singing like Rihanna and, and Celine and these songs that we did in the early years. And so that was a whole process. Um, Amber, I didn't have to do much there except yeah. to you know, take her in the butt <laughs> to take it to another level, you know, but mm-hmm. they're, you know, and they're all amazing in their own way. Um, but there was definitely some growing pains. Yeah. And despite now having done over 700 songs, like mm-hmm. you said, are there, is there an artist that you hope that they cover eventually? We have to do Africa by Toto. Ryan, if you're listening, Africa, I've been saying it. <laughs> just send us to Africa. We don't have to. I mean, come on. Yeah. Just, just go to Africa for some reason mm-hmm. and do Africa. Yeah. That's the one I want. It's my favorite song of all time. Yeah. Um, half of Toto are my neighbors. Anyway, they bug me all the time. Really? So, yeah. They all live out in the valley with us. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I, I grew up. Toto 4 was the album that got me into music. Really? Yeah. That's what just like, whoa, what is this? Yeah. Um, again, I'm dating myself. But <laughs> I was just, I was actually in the fetus when I heard Toto 4. In the fetus? No, in the You were uterus. a fetus. In in, the I was a... <laughs> hey, I'm, a, I'm a music guy. I'm not a... <laughs> I was in the fetus. Quote me on that. That's a good one. Um, so when you do pitch songs, obviously Ryan has the final say. Mm-hmm. Um, how many songs had he not necessarily been thinking of um, for an episode that you pitched that got their way through? Um, you know... For the most part, you know, especially in the first few seasons, Ryan mm-hmm. was just all over the music all yeah. the time in the writing room, picking songs as they wrote the scripts. And I would get the list. And, and then when they were in the writing room, he's like, I need an idea for this moment. You know, get me an idea in an hour. It was things like that. But mm-hmm. he was so, you know, brilliant in his song choices. But there were always occasions where he's like, I'm stumped. Yeah. Or a mashup. I need to mash this up with something. Give me your ideas. Um, but I remember specifically a couple, a couple of times, like without you as a song Leah did a couple of seasons ago where she had gone away and then he's like, I need a number one hit to bring her back, to bring Rachel back. What do I do? Give me your ideas. And I was driving on the PCH and I heard without you, the, the I think it's David Guetta mm-hmm. and is it Neo or I don't remember. I think it's Neo or Usher. Um, and I was like, man, That's this Usher. would be incredible as a ballad mm-hmm. for Leah. And I emailed him. He's like, you're, you're on crack. That's not going to work. And I'm like, just trust me. Mm-hmm. And again, he knows when to trust people. Yeah. And that's what makes him so successful. He gives you that leash. And then, of course, you can fall flat on your face, but he lets you at least try. And I did it. And, um, you know, I think, you know, I think it went number one really fast. And it was just a huge song for her. So that was a really cool moment. Um, but there's not many times, you know, we've even disagreed on anything, honestly. Yeah. It's just been an amazing relationship. 
I remember one of the songs that stuck out most for me was, I think it was first season, um, a mashup of Walking on Sunshine with a Beyonce song. Was that what it was? Was it Halo? Oh, yeah, Halo. Wow. That's, a, that, that's old school. I remember right I, I downloaded that song. Wow. It was so good. Yeah. That but, was one of the first mashups. Yeah. And I remember Ryan saying, we're doing a mashup. I'm like, a what? And how no challenging that was. was that for you? In the beginning, it was a nightmare. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't even know how to approach it. So apparently, I was like pulling our hair out. Like, what do we do with this thing? Because um, we take two perfectly right songs and create something worse. You know? It's <laughs> like, why are we ruining two songs at once? Oh, you I know? thought it made it better. I love yeah, mashups. Yeah, we had to get to that point. Yeah. That's what we wanted to do, where we're like, this is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uncharted territory, because we weren't mashing it up in the DJ sense. You know, you hear on radio when things just start playing, and they're not in the yeah. right key, and things are weird, and it's just fun. We had to make something musical that worked and that we could sing to and people would sing to and go by and um those were really fun challenging days but um halo was great i loved walking uh not walking ascension uh, umbrella mm-hmm. and um singing in the rain it yeah was awesome but my favorite mashup of all time is the adele mashup oh yeah rumor has it and someone like you that for me is the the best one we were yeah done. And so many of the songs that have been featured in Glee have made it to the Billboard Top 100, mm-hmm. which is an incredible feat for anyone to have just one song mm-hmm. on the Billboard Top 100, but to have, now you've had, what, 100 or so? 280 wow. something, I don't know, yeah. it's a lot. It's it's crazy. I think um, the record was 115, I think it was Elvis. And we left that behind about 150 songs ago. It's embarrassing because it's, you know, it's, it's such an odd thing. Like mm-hmm. nobody's done a show like this and, and there'll probably never be a glee in that sense again. Yeah. You know, there'll be other musicals and there's a bunch being made right now, but glee was a worldwide cultural phenomenon. Yeah. You know, they actually talk about the glee generation now. It's weird. It, it's become an mm-hmm. iconic show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so from that, now Lee Michelle has her own album that she just released. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's overdue. Yeah. I think we all wanted it earlier, faster. Mm-hmm. Um, to her credit, she wasn't going to do it until she was ready. Um, and she didn't care if it affected her sales. She's like, I'm not ready. We were pushing her to do it um, after season one. Um, the head of the label and I were like, come on, let's do this. And we had it all mapped out for it. So we're gonna, and it would have been massive, of yeah. course. But for her, no, she wanted to focus on what she was doing, and I think that was the right call for her. Um, but I'm really happy that you know she's done it, and it's really good, and she's enjoying it. She wouldn't have enjoyed it if she did it then. It was yeah. too much. It was too crazy. Tours with Glee, and it was just insane. Um, and I think it, it felt like a cash grab for her then. Now it's really artistry. It seems very heartfelt. Mm-hmm. It's the real song. deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are there any other um, actors on Glee that you think – can achieve that success and have a solo career after this? Amber, mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, she's a world-class singer. I yeah. Mean, just incredible. Um, I think Kevin McHale, he was on his way before Glee. Mm-hmm. He was in a boy band, speaking of, with Timberland. Um, you know, all of them, but Darren Chris, it's a no-brainer. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, and he made a record, and it hasn't come out, um, which is heartbreaking. Um, you know, and that's the business. You know, it's there's nothing easy. Yeah. And even if you're Leah Michelle or Darren Chris, it's not easy. And that's why I say the work ethic is so important and there is no entitlement in the in the entertainment industry. You got to earn it. Mm-hmm. You know, and um you'll learn that quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh so moving away from Glee a little mm-hmm. bit. I know that you've worked with so many artists uh from CeeLo to we talked about the Backstreet Boys earlier mm-hmm. um to, you know, Selena Gomez, the list goes on. Mm-hmm. Is there an artist that you haven't worked with that 
you just think is at the top of their game that you would hope to write for someday? Coldplay. <laughs> I'll say it again. Coldplay. Okay. Uh, it was funny when Gwyneth Paltrow came on the show. Sorry to go back to Glee. Yeah. But, um, I always joked with her, like, I'm just using you to get to your husband, just so you know that. And it was just our joke. Um, it, he's incredible. That's mm-hmm. my favorite you know, Chris Martin's just Have brilliant. you met him at all? I have, yeah. You have? He, it was uh, cool. He called me and invited me to the to their Hollywood Bowl show. And I got wow. his seats and after party show. Yeah, it was like I was flying. Uh, I had to write. I needed to retire, actually, right at that moment. Um, he's a great guy. Um, you know, I haven't really... I became really good friends with Gwyneth, obviously, yeah. and not so much him. But he was a great guy. And I'm, I'm happy that they're work, You know, they're in a good place, yeah. both of them. Um, but Coldplay... Uh, <laughs> They're amazing. And this new single, Magic, just blows me away. Oh, yeah. 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 So you think that that could potentially happen in the future? No. No? No, I'm a realist. But, okay. But yeah, a guy can dream, right? Wishful yeah. thinking. Yeah. I hope it happens. You know what? I take that back. Um, for a movie or for a TV or mm-hmm. some event or something, yeah, yeah definitely. Soundtrack or something? But as far as um, going and producing a whole album with them, they don't need to fix anything. <laughs> they just need to keep doing what they're doing with the people they're doing. I'll be the first to say, don't hire me. Hire the guy you're working with. <laughs> um, so in 2011, I want to talk about how you launched your own record label. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of up and coming artists on the label now. Uh, but what led you to want to do that? Sheer stupidity. Um, no, I don't know. Uh, it it very organically evolved. It was just like I met an artist like Caitlin Crosby, who you've had on The Giving Keys Girl. Mm-hmm. I thought she was amazing. I want to help you, you know, or Shane Harper, mm-hmm. who's blowing up. Um, I met him. We shopped him around and we couldn't get any traction. I'm like, well, then I'm doing it myself. That was honestly how it started. It wasn't like, hey, I'm going to set out and start a record company and spend a bunch of money. It was believing in young artists that I felt deserved a shot. Mm-hmm. And I thought that I could help them. Um, and we just set off to do it, you know, and it was more of a family kind of partnership thing than it was a corporate record company. Yeah. Thing. And I've been totally self-financed and just doing it. And uh, we've had a lot of success, you know. Uh, Shane's done really well. Caitlin's really, I mean, her career is blowing up as a whole, not mm-hmm. just the music. Um, I just enjoy mentoring kids. I, you know, I've done kind of everything there's to do in the business. And I think um, getting to grab a hold of the young artists and kind of help them find their way is really appealing to me. Yeah. And how do you find these talent? Variety of ways. They come to you. They find you. Now I have some profile, you know, so I get a lot of submissions yeah. um, through friends, you know, other kind of celebrities that go, hey, I just heard this or people in the industry you know, even heads of record companies, like huge major labels are like, I can't sign this guy, but you should hear him. Mm-hmm. It just comes to me in all different ways. Um, but, you know, my rule is just, number one, they need to be able to write. They need to be the complete package. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I need to love it. I don't care what style it is. If I love it, I'll do it because I'm spending my family's money on you. So I'm not just going to, you know, throw my money around. Um, you so have to be invested really in do. them, I need to be not just financially. Because the business sucks. I mean, the record, it's just a, I call it deep well records because mm-hmm. it's a black hole of cash just goes in there and this deep well. Um, but you have to really believe in it and be passionate about it. And I'm not a one and done kind of guy. I'm not just going to throw a single out and hope it works and then drop them. If it doesn't, I stick to them. If I believed you were good two years ago, I still think you're good. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm really choosy and um, loyal and, you know, um, hope to have more success with all of them. Is there a specific artist or artist who's up and coming that um, 
people might not have heard of, but you think that they should? That's a good question. Um, I think there's, besides the ones that I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you can use those. <laughs> yeah, well, look, Shane Harper and Caitlin Crosby. Yeah. You know, those are the two I would, because I sign the ones that I feel are up and coming. You know, there's a band that I wanted to sign and I couldn't work it out called Colony House that are incredible. And I have no problem promoting them. I think they're amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, Shane Harper, Caitlin Crosby, Colony House. There's a girl, Mariah McManus, here in town who's amazing. There's a lot of young talent that's great. Yeah. Um, you know, they just got to find their way. It's it's a weird business now. You rent music, you don't buy it. It's hard for artists to make a living. Um, so it's not an easy road, and I really respect that people still are trying to do it, and they still go after it, even though they know it's yeah. harder than ever. Do you have advice for those young artists who are trying to go after it, who don't really know what to do next? Besides don't do it. <laughs> um, you know, you have to want to do it even if you don't make any money doing it. Yeah. You know, if you're doing it to be famous and make money, just quit. Honestly, um, you have to, because more times than not, you're not going to be making any money doing this. It's just reality. And you still have to love it enough to keep going. And I did, you know, I had my years, like, you know, several years of not making any money. And I was like, this is all I know. This is all I am. You know, I'm going to keep doing it. Sooner or later, someone's going to hire me again. Yeah. And I think you need to have that attitude. You, you can't just think, I'm going to go get rich and famous. Mm -hmm. uh, so shifting gears a little bit, mm -hmm. you have accomplished um, so much in your career at this point. Do you ever have pinch me moments that, you know, your music is on television every single week? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of those. And I think uh, if I don't pinch myself, my wife pinches me, which is good. Um, or my parents slap me. You know, mm -hmm. that's the next thing. I think you have to have those moments so you stay grounded because um, none of this should be taken for granted. And there's so many people that want to do what we do, what you do, what I do, um, and don't get the, the opportunity. So I've had so many pinch me moments from working with Oscar winners to Tom Cruise. I mean, yeah, it's going to Tom Cruise's house and he's going to sing for me in his living room. I was like, is this happening right now? Like literally, I'm with Mav. You know, I was freaking out. <laughs> And uh, he actually lets me call him Mav. Which really? Is really cool. yeah. um, he's the coolest guy in the world. I don't care what anybody says. He's such a great guy. Um, How good of a singer is he? You know, he's a he. What when we met, he was a, a really bad singer with an incredible voice. Yeah. Which meant we can do it. You know, and that was a thing. It's like we. I had to go there and find out. Can you do this movie? And to his credit, he's like, I'm not gonna be voiced by somebody else. I'm doing it or I'm not doing it. Yeah. You know. Um, so I went and heard him sing. I was like. It's literally the most powerful voice I've ever worked with. I mm -hmm. mean, this this guy can just blow. And then it was just teaching him musicality and how to perform the songs and how to sing, how to use what he had. And he's just, he's a freaking nature, that guy. I don't know how yeah. he does it. Crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, so I want to talk about your new venture, Star Trek. Oh, yeah. It's a musical competition web series. And... It's different than X Factor American Idol because you you guys are taking a truck to the mm -hmm. the auditioners' houses essentially or their towns to their towns. Yeah, it's one of the worst ideas I've ever had, <laughs> um, but I'm doing it anyway. Uh, you know what? Again, it uh, you have an idea, you have two choices: mm -hmm. try to do it or don't talk about it again. Yeah. <laughs> and I had this idea and I thought it was fun. I'm like, this sounds really fun. Let's do it. Yeah. And then we started doing, it. I'm like, holy crap, this is a lot of work and crazy competition series. It's not an easy thing to do, but we just thought it'd be cool to load up in a truck in a moving truck. Basically. I just rented one. The truck looks pimped out too. I saw a picture the of inside, it. The inside, the outside, it's ghetto, man. It's straight <laughs> ghetto. 
Uh, it's been in a wreck and it's nasty. Oh my gosh. Um, but I think that's part of the charm. I was like, yeah. let's just go rent a crappy truck, put all my gear inside it. Yeah. And then we're going to drive around and see who we can find. And we'll use social media to promote it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. We've done our audition phase already. Yeah. So um, you'll have to wait for next cycle. Um, but yeah, so we do that. And then the, you know, we, like every show, you got to pick a winner. Yeah. But the way we go about it, it's really interesting and different. And the format's really, really fun and compelling. And, um, it's actually better than I thought it was going to be because really? I didn't really know what we were doing and it's, it's really cool. Yeah. So do you think that there will be a, a second cycle? I hope so. You know, you never, the web is crazy. Yeah. You know, we might have 20 people watch it. We might have 20 million. I have no idea. I know it's, uh, I'm paying for it. So and we need to have more than 20 or I ain't doing it again. <laughs> uh, but I think, uh, there's a lot of buzz around it already. Yeah. Well, and, you have two very established mm-hmm. YouTube celebrities on it tyler ward and i justine yeah they're huge and they're amazing in the show um and we're gonna have even more guest stars you know coming on that are big names yeah um so it's a really unusual web series and the quality of the music obviously is not going to be like youtube quality it's yeah. going to be record quality which is unusual too and then there's so much talent on the web and in social media that you know to get to find that and then bring it to people in this way is cool when do you expect the first episodes to come out this fall. Okay. Uh, I'm, I was hoping for it in July, uh, and we'll see. Um, it's our first time doing this, so yeah. we're, you know, kind of figuring it out as we go. But I think um, July or August, end of July or early August. I, I mean, I'm so interested in new media shows because mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of where the industry mm-hmm. is going. So is this going to be something that is exclusively on YouTube, or where is it going to air? Like a Hulu or... No, well, I think um, that's part of the, the process is, yeah. you know, I'm going to decide out. that because yeah. a lot of people are already approaching me wanting to put it on there outside of YouTube. Yeah. There's a lot of options now. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to decide where I want it, what the best place is for it to live and where I can still retain control. Um, and, you know, it's my first web series. I've developed TV shows for cable, for network. I've done movies. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I think everything's going to the web. You know, and, and I'd create shows um, which were kind of teen and tween kind of age appropriate. Well, they watched it on their phones and their iPads. Yeah. Like, they don't watch TV. No, Nobody watches TV anymore. So I was like, well, let's go do that. Um, so we'll see. Um, yeah. I think it's definitely going to be on the web in one way or another. It seems like a lot of the um, new media series are, they kind of have every single episode on the same day, like the Netflix series and the mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. Obviously, you couldn't do that with a musical competition series. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it would be spoiled mm-hmm. on the first day for viewers that haven't watched it. So do you think that you'll release an episode a week? Is yeah, that... I think we might do bi-weekly. Okay. Um, we'll probably do weekly, and then we'll do like... Um... I'm I'm planning on live uh, results episodes. Wow. Which nobody's ever done. Yeah. Uh, you heard it here first. But we'll do we'll air the episode and then we're going to do a live results. That's um, so cool. It'll be really cool. And then uh, I think once we get to that live time though we have to go bi-weekly at that point just to have time to produce the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um in order to be able to do the live thing. Um but it's, you know, look, I have my Adam Anders TV on YouTube with full screen, which mm-hmm. is where it's intended to go and then we'll see where it grows from there. I'm hoping it. We can't contain it. I hope yeah. it just takes over because it's really fun and it's in. It's, and it's not a mean spirited show. It's again, everybody who got on the show is extremely talented. And I, you're the type that wants to develop artists. Yeah, and I'm not going to sit there and and bring people on that aren't good just so we can see them fail. Yeah, that's not cool. Um, everybody who's on there is really good. They deserve to be there. They deserve a shot. Everybody can't win. I have to kick people off, but 
even the ones that don't make it, I want to help them in some way. I'm excited for it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> See what happens. Um, so last couple of questions mm-hmm. before we wrap up. Uh, what music producers do you find inspirational? Like, who do you look up to? Well, right now, I think Pharrell um, and, um, you know, Danger Mouse, I'm a big fan of. Um, I think, you know, Daft, Pump are, uh, Daft Punk are artists, but they're producers too, you know, yeah. and what they've done with Pharrell too is incredible. Um, but there's not much music comes along that inspires me to want to do music, but you know, for all just this year has released two songs like happy. Mm-hmm. And then he had, um, uh, what's the song with Daft Punk called? Oh, get lucky. Get lucky. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I do music. Yeah. I mean, just that groove alone inspired me to just go up to the studio and start working. Again. Yeah. We were talking about before how there are so many, um, Swedish artists, mm-hmm. music producers. And mm-hmm. I feel like that is especially now there are. Yeah so many that are at the top of their game. Swedish House Mafia, Mm -hmm. Max Martin, you know, um, I'm Swedish, my partner's Swedish. I mean, it's weird how this tiny country is putting out so much music that they are, and it's it's high quality. I think it's because they have nothing else to do because the weather's so bad. (laughs) In the winter, they're just Um, locked in there. Somebody else thinks that ABBA peed in the water. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) That's just a rumor. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's funny. It's gross, but it's funny. (laughs) Um, so what qualities do you think make a good, um, song or a good pop song? Uh, that's memorable immediately. If you can't hear a song once and remember something about it, you've missed it. Um, I think that's number one. Number two, I think it's important that a song can be stripped down just to the melody and still be compelling. You Mm -hmm. know, so many songs are so production driven that there's no song. Yeah. You know, but a song like Happy, you can do that on guitar, on piano, acapella. It doesn't matter how you do it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Or you, I saw a Lego movie the other day with my son, right? Which Lego he was so movie. excited to show me that movie. He'd seen it. And, you know, everything is awesome, right? Silly little song, right? So incredibly well done mm-hmm. and hooky. And you couldn't stop singing it. I mean, um, you need to be able to remember it. You know, I think it's that simple. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, so I know you're a very busy guy between mm-hmm. having kids, having this career. Um, what do you do on your days off? Golfing, obviously, hopefully. Um, hopefully, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still hoping. Uh, my four-year-old is about old enough to bring out with me now. So now I, you know, when you work as much as I do, hey, honey, I have an, a day off. I'm going to go golf. See ya. You know, it's not cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, be a really bad dad. <laughs> I actually want to start a production company called Bad Dad Productions. <laughs> um, you know, and that's the battle. You, we work so much. You know, you need to make time for what's important. Yeah. At the end of the day, nobody's going to ask me on my deathbed how many gold records I had. You know, it's just nobody cares. Um, so I think I try to balance my life with my kids and my my family, and try to leave it sort of outside. You know, the house, like yeah. leave it at the office, so to speak. Um, but. Yeah, I, I don't have many hobbies, honestly. Golf is the only one. If I can steal out you know, early in the morning and play and just clear my head, that's about it. But yeah. music's my life, and the kids eat up the rest of it. And hopefully I'm not you know, the guy they talk about when they're 20 saying, what a loser dad I have. He's never home. So I'm trying to avoid that. You know, I definitely want to be a big part of their lives. Are you teaching them Swedish at all? Are they going to be bilingual? <sighs> so bad at it. They're in Swedish school. Um and everybody speaks English in Swedish school. I don't understand it, but um, whatever. Uh, I, I read, read to them in Swedish, you know, for the first year and yeah. then completely bailed. And I suck. Uh, Can you hard. teach me one thing? 
Hmm. Let's see. What do you want to know? I don't know. Okay. You want to sign off in Swedish? Yeah. Okay. How do you say um, goodbye? Ha det bra. What? Ha det bra. Ha det bra. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Vi ses. Hej då. <laughs> <laughs> you get all that? This is like bringing me back to the days of uh, the Muppets or <laughs> the Swedish chef. The Swedish chef. chef is Norwegian. I'm telling you, he's not Swedish. It's such BS. Wait, so what crazy. is goodbye? Hej då. Hej då. Hej då. Okay. That's easier than hårdt bra is. Yeah. It's too complicated. Okay. Hej då. Yeah. Um, so moving forward, what do you hope to accomplish in both your life and career? Uh, more TV shows, more movies. I'm, I'm creating a bunch of properties that are all music driven. That's my focus. Um, I just sold a show, a uh, movie today. Uh, Congrats. I hope to announce soon. Um, we will announce soon. Maybe we'll come back here and do it. Musical? It's a musical. Um, and, uh, just stuff like that. I just want to create, you know, vehicles for music, um, that people will love and cherish for a long time. You know, stuff that'll stay on the test of time. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So this brings us to our shameless plug section. Mm. Um, if you want to give fans your Twitter, uh, anything else you want to promote uh, when you yeah. think Star Trek will premiere and where they can mm-hmm. find the social media for that as well. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Adam Anders. Very easy. Um, I think I am Adam Anders is my Instagram where I take some very interesting pictures. Um, and then Star Trek like I said, should come out uh, early August is our hope. And uh, you can look at my Twitter and my Facebook and everything to find out more about that and when it's coming. Um, what else should I plug? <laughs> I don't know. That's good. That's I feel like if you need to plug anything, yeah. it's all on your Twitter. It's all on my Twitter. Right? Yeah, you'll find it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you can follow us at AfterBuzz TV. You can follow me at Katherine Kelly. Thank you so much for coming in. This was, was such a, a great fun. talk. Um and we will catch you next time. Hey do. Hey do. Hey do. <laughs> From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.